Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person. Talking about soccer lots. Hello, welcome. Yeah, don't be frightened by the theme song. Come on in. This is Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. I'm Soccer Noob. I'm fairly new to the sport. Joining me as always is my 10-year-old daughter, co-host, and true star of the show, Person Noob. Hello! Thank you for displaying the manners. I have worked so hard to teach you. Always nice that you greet the fine folks. What are you in store for today? Well, we're going to be talking about uh, the shiniest, most intriguing footy matches going on anywhere in the world. But as we define that, we like to look at, uh, yes, uh, top two matchups from various leagues, but not just the big important leagues in CONCACAF or Europe. We go to all the confederations and countries, big and small. Same thing holds true for international tournaments. They are all on our radar. We are tr- we are noobs, but we are trying to learn the whole darn world of soccer all at once. And particularly with my daughter, learning a lot about the world as we learn about soccer. So much the point. Now, this week we're going to be talking about matches from the week uh, span. We always run Friday through Thursday. So for June, this week, that's the 10th through the 16th. But before we get into the soccer, my daughter and I like to have a little chat. Co-host, daughter dearest, what is going on with you this week? What are you eating? Cake. Cake? Would you like to tell the folks what kind of cake? Pineapple upside down with cherries on top. That is a delicious looking cake, but there's an interesting story behind it too, isn't there? Where did you get to go today? I got to go to the ice cream social. Where at? My school. Yep, and what all did you get to do there? I got to play fun games, get prizes, and I got to hang out with my friends. Yeah, I still got a pocket full of your suckers, by the way, from earlier. So, yeah, thumbs up to suckers, but you've got something better now with that. And how did you win the cake? Um, I got eight. I got eight little tiles, and then there were 32 numbers. I I put them on random numbers, and then um, the girl running it, she, she, she spun a wheel that had all the numbers, and if... The wheel, and if the thing landed on one of your, um, on one of the numbers out of your tile, you won a cake. Wow, so basically you were, uh, uh, for the adults in the crowd listening, which probably most of our audience, uh, she was playing roulette at the Catholic Church Ice Cream Social, which, hey, they're doing bingo later tonight. I've got no, you know, problem with a little harmless gambling every now and then. I just thought it was kind of funny. I was trying to talk to them into saying, hey, you know, could she, uh, you know, because she go on the line with some of her chips, so if it came up like a 25 or a 26, she could win half a cake. But they were making the odds really, really good, and it was very, very cheap to play. And why were they trying to make it so easy to win? Because 
so many cakes. Yes, we went into the art room inside the school and there must have, this is not an exaggeration, these were little tiny things. People must have made, I don't know, 60 cakes, you know, full-size can, you know, pancakes, sheet cakes, all kinds of things. And that's, you know, plus they had a few bins with the various, uh, uh, the sweet treats, some of them that people when they had bags of. You want a bag of what else? I want two prize bags. Yeah, you and you had cookies, right? Mm -hmm. Was that what was in one of the prize bags? No, no, that was in the sweets bag. Gotcha. So, what was your favorite game that you played there? I don't know. I don't know. How was the bouncy house? It was fun, but going through it three times got me so out of breath that I died. You died? Well, this is going to be a very sad episode, ladies and gentlemen. But I came back to life. Oh, okay. Well, now it's going to be a happy episode all over again. She said earlier she was going to share a cherry with me, but I think she likes the cherry more than the cake. By the way, this was not a room full of just like awful, you know, fruit cakes or something. There were many, many delicious looking frosted cakes. And yet there was no doubt in my daughter's mind that what she wanted because she loves pineapple, she extra loved cherries. And it turns out, what are you not a big fan of? Yeah, you do not like frosted cake. So you're a bad American and you can expect to get deported by uh, the federal government sometime soon, right? For no. being so weird. No. And I don't like cheese. You don't like melted cheese sometimes. And you'll eat pizza all day. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you had such a good time. Is there anything else going on with your week that you want to share with the fine folks? Or is it time to get into the soccer? I have one more epic thing. Oh, okay. I got a glow up cake today. Oh, that's right. I should have remembered that because Mommy and I, uh, I actually didn't make Mommy do everything herself. I helped with that. We got it out, got it down by your swing set at the back end of the backyard because that's the only part that's flat. How was the water? It was freezing cold. <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you didn't wait any time at all, did you? No. Did you get a little, little ball blown up? I got two Oh, did you blow them both up? Mom did. Gotcha. I tried, but it didn't work. I see. Well, as long as they're inflated, that's awesome. They came to the pool. And we've got some friends coming over tomorrow related to church groups, some families, and everybody will get to enjoy the pool. Unless, of course, it's storming, which it might be. Yes, and then, yes, sadness will reign, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth, which is a sad pool and a sad swing set not getting used. And we also went to Target to get um, some stuff for s'mores that we're gonna eat tonight. And um, and we got a pool floaty and it was pretty epic. And um, the the snack place at our Target, it, it shut down and, and I think that they're I think that they're probably rebuilding it. But the Starbucks was out of cappuccinos and frappuccinos. <gasps> That's illegal. <laughs> that should be against the law. Should we should we write a strongly worded letter to somebody in our local government? Yes. Okay, fair enough. Well, you have had a truly uh, epic, to use your word, uh, an epic day, haven't you? Yeah. All right, so you're ready to uh, rest up while Daddy takes care of some of the soccer stuff? Sure. You going to help me out a little bit here and there? Maybe. <laughs> fair enough. At least she's honest about it. March number one! We start this week's footy adventure on Friday with a match from CONCACAF Nations League. 
all 41 member nations of our confederation in North America, Central America, and Caribbean are all sending representative teams to this event. But this is not our confederation championships. That is the Gold Cup, which I'll make a little bit more mention of in just a minute or so. This is a feeder tournament for that one. The match that we're going to look at is out of League A. All the teams have been divided into three different leagues. All the best ones are in League A. Twelve teams, in fact, and they have been divided into four groups of three. The winners of this event, of each of these groups, will get to go on to the overall finals. That's great. Now, they and the second place finishers in the group stage, they automatically qualify for the Gold Cup, and that's the really big deal. And in fact, if you've been good enough to get into Group A, you at least get to go to the Gold Cup preliminary qualifying round next year. So you don't even have to win a game or score a goal, and you're still going to get to go. The matchup we're going to talk about is uh, currently uh, second best, according to the CONCACAF ratings, USA, taking on number 25, Grenada. And by the way, let me just take a time out because I listen to a lot of like uh, Sirius XMXC, FC, and I watch a lot of stuff on TV. Professionals, it's not difficult. I even hear you commenting all the time how we're not sure if it's Granada or Grenada. Well, then look it up. Spain, Granada, the Caribbean one is Grenada. Let's call the whole thing off, but it's an easy one to get, right? All right, now that I'm uh, done being that guy, we'll get back to the match. Yikes. Uh, This is the first match for the United States. It's going to be the third one for Grenada. They went ahead and got their matches against El Salvador knocked out right away. And uh, when they went to uh, Grenada, when they played it at Grenada, they managed a 2-2 draw. When they went to El Salvador, uh, they lost 3-1. No real surprise there. Everything's probably going to work out in that order. United States, El Salvador. Grenada, but we still got to play the games. And we'll talk about Grenada. We're just going to skip right over the United States. I know everybody listening to this show pretty much already gets a lot of their uh, USMNT information from lots of very learned sources. I'm a noob and I'm not going to pretend to be able to match that, but I will say I might have a little bit information about the visiting team from Grenada that a lot of folks spend time on. They are known as the Spice Boys. Uh, It's the 1990s still culturally in a lot of the world. So don't forget to spell that with a Z if you're writing it out because it's just that hip and cool apparently. Not a real big surprise, a small Caribbean island nation like this. They've never been to the World Cup. They have had uh, some other international finishes though. A minor tournament, the old Caribbean Cup in 1989 and 2008 both. They finished in second place. And then in 2009, in the Gold Cup, when they qualified for that as their first major international competition, uh, they didn't manage to win any games, or and they only even scored one goal, and that was both in the 2009 and the next iteration as well. 2021, uh, they went to the Gold Cup as well. Uh, they went pointless and only scored one goal once again. But hey, God bless them for even getting there. 2021-22, they came in with an 0-1-7 record in various matches between those two years. They only scored a couple of times, and uh, their one positive result that draw was a nil-nil draw against mighty Gibraltar from Europe, a country perhaps uh, substantially even smaller than they are. Uh, key player to look for, if anyone, in this match, I'm going to go with 
Alexander McQueen. He is a fullback slash central midfielder, British born, who actually came up through the Tottenham system. Uh, he spent the majority of his career, I believe, with a fifth tier English club. So basically the lowest level of entirely professional play that you have over there. Uh, he is now with Indy 11, which is in America's second tier, the USL championship. Uh, if you manage to watch this one, which I highly suggest Paramount plus is where you can catch a lot of these uh, with his speed. I think you're going to see him likely playing upfield a bit more than otherwise, but regardless of where he plays, I think we can expect a big U S win. Match number B. Yes, please join us in the revolution to replace the icky phrase number two in your lives with number B. Listen to it in action. So couth, so fine. Match number B, by the way, this is the first of our Saturday matches, and we're going to stay right here at home. Major League Soccer, we've got a good one between expansion side and just barely outside of the playoffs. you got to finish top seven in your conference to get that. Number eight, Charlotte FC, and they're playing host to number four, New York Red Bulls. Just a quick reminder that in each of the two conferences, the top seven, yes, make the playoffs. And then if you manage to win your conference, you get to go straight through to the quarterfinals. We'll talk about the home team first. As always, Charlotte, earlier this season, they opened things by setting an attendance record with almost 75,000 people. I should have... uh, I should have taken a look to see what some of their attendance figures have looked like since then. If they've been able to manage anything like the slim drop-offs that uh, Top Gun Maverick have managed in the first couple of weekends, that would really be something. Now, usually Bank of America is limited to about 36,000. I'd be really surprised if they're even selling that out with regular uh, with regularity, no matter how well they're doing. Uh, this is the stadium that they share with the Carolina Panthers. And in fact, it's the same ownership and the blue I just uh, was reading earlier this week that is one of Charlotte FC's main colors is the same blue. It's called Process Blue. That is part of the color schemes for the NFL Panthers. Pretty cool. Footy-wise, They are tied for the worst in their entire conference and offense. Offense. They don't even manage a goal per match. But when you're starting a team early, oftentimes the best way to get good quickly is to focus on defense, and they are well above average in that regard. Number five, overall, a number 10 goal differential. They're going to have to find some offense somewhere, I think, if they're going to even keep flirting with a playoff spot. But, hey, it's your first year. Enjoy it while you can. Uh, key player to look for on the leaderboard in clean sheets with four already is uh, Christian Kalina from Croatia. He came up with uh, Dynamo Zagreb, one of the uh, big clubs, perhaps the biggest in his home country. He came over to this team from one of the big two in Bulgaria, uh, Ludogorets Razgrad. And uh, he's had a little national teamwork, but only at the youth level. Uh, Uh, Way back in the day, he was, uh, I believe in 2011, he did a little play with their U19 squad. The best player they probably have going, one of their designated players, though, is Karol Swiderski, Polish striker. Now, he's only got four goals on one assist on the year. The guy's going to have to get some help and get a little bit more service, but he is incredibly talented. He is a volume shooter, and he's rarely off target. He loves to put pressure on the other team's back line and goalie. Uh, He started with Jagalone of Bialystok when he was just 17 or 18 playing pro with one of his home country clubs, and then he was with PAOK, one of the big three over in Greece from 2019 until he came over here, uh, officially signed, I believe, in January. 
The weak link on this team probably is their attacking midfield. This is who they've got to get more out of. If they want to keep competing. Christian uh, Jonathan, I believe his name, or jo- uh, yeah, Christian Jonathan Ortiz. There we go. Argentinian attacking midfielder. He's only managed one goal and one assist so far. He's an okay passer. They just need him to get more directly involved in the scoring. He's on loan here from Tijuana, and it actually appears from what I read that he is slated to go back to that Liga MX squad in December. Team's current form, uh, they lost their last two matches, including a 3-1 loss at New York Red Bulls in the U.S. Open Cup. And now your visitors, New York Red Bulls. They finished Second best in the playoffs in 2008, have never quite managed to win the title. 2013, 15, and 18, all three of those years, they had the best record in the league, uh, earning them the supporters' shields. So uh, based on that pattern, they're kind of due for another one here soon. 2019, they made the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals. That's tied for the best they've ever done out of, I believe, their five appearances in that event. Last year in league, they finished in seventh place in the East, good enough to get them to the first round of the playoffs where they lost right away. This year, they've got the number three offense in the conference. They score almost twice as many goals as Charlotte per match. And to go with that, they've got the second best defense in the East as well. This is a team that uh, I don't think they're going to finish in fourth. I think they're going to finish in first or second, quite frankly. Best player they probably got going on the season so far, Lewis Morgan, their right fielder from Scotland. Six goals plus an assist already. He's another volume shooter and very, very accurate. He was with Inter Miami, I believe, last year. Now, uh, if they've got a weak link that maybe Charlotte can exploit, it's at striker. There hasn't been a lot of danger out of Tom Barlow so, so far on the year, although he did score against Charlotte in their uh, U.S. Open Cup match. But other than that, he's only got two goals on the league season. Looking at his stats overall, it's hard for me to watch all these teams all the time, but I believe he's a poacher who is just not getting a lot of surface uh, service. rather. Uh, as far as a, a prediction or result, I believe that uh, the Red Bull should be able to get a result, at the very least a draw here on the road. Match number three. And now we're going to head off into the wild blue yonder to the AFC Asian Cup. Well, the qualifying rounds, the actual event is next year, and that is their confederation championships for all the national teams. Right now, they are in the third and final qualifying round. Uh, The teams left, there are six groups of four. There are 11 slots left. So all six group winners are going to get in after their single round robin. And then the uh, all but one, all but the worst of the second place finishers will also get to go. So that is your other five plus six to make 11. And they're just one match into the group stage so far. Matchup that we're going to look at is number 173, according to FIFA, in the world, Cambodia versus the national team from Hong Kong, ranked number 148. Not a ton of matches from this particular qualifying event this week. This looked like it was going to be the most competitive one on paper. Now, Cambodia, they uh, got drawn out of pot four, the bottom of them. So this is not a team that's expected to move on. Hong Kong, meanwhile, were drawn out of pot number two of the four pots. So, as I'm sure you can deduce, Uh, it would be expected that they will finish in second place. Uh, Each of these groups, the matches are being played at one host site, which is why they're doing a single round robin. This particular group, they're playing theirs in Kolkata, India. Here's how the teams did in each of their first two matches. Hong Kong, they beat Afghanistan 2-1. And then Cambodia, they lost to the hosts India 2-0. 
Now that's all I'm going to give you for this particular match because normally this is the time of show where we like to take a time out and learn how we can make a little bit of money off some of these matches. How we can we how can we earn our quid? To do that, we normally turn to our in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old noob Stradamus for a drug-aided or drug-addled vision. But my understanding is that we have somebody else stepping in in his stead this week. Take it away, mystery prognosticator. Hello, it's person Noob Stradamus. We are giving the level old college of the week off after yet another miss. Regroup, refocus, so you can once again travel through space and time. Wee and all that. Since my parents met playing tournament Scrabble, yes, that is a thing, I decided to use something of that to determine the winner and score for this match. Cambodia. It can't be anagrammed in anything without help. The shortest word you can make from all those letters is diamondback, like the snake, or the bad Arizona baseball team. Either way, a diamond pattern points point us to the number four. Hong Kong. Can't make anything with all those. But if you remove the duplicate letters and add just one blank, we get the word Hoking. Hoke basically means to prop up with false value and qualifications. So there's really a zero under there. This team may look good, but isn't. Cambodia will win 4-0. No mas, no fuss. No smoking lotus leaf and all that. But I'll take one of those fresca we send to him in Greece he likes so much. Grapefruit flavor. What is this garbage? Is it soda pop or laxative? You old people sure had it rough back in your day. Wow. Respect. Match number four. Ooh, I do love me Scrabble references. Way to go, person noob. Uh, It is a bold prediction. I will say that. Can't wait to see if it comes true. We'll see what happens in Kolkata. But for now, we cannot stay there. We must move westward because... For match number four, the UEFA Nations League has stuff that's worth looking at. Just as we are having our Nations League, they are having theirs in Europe. They've actually got enough teams over there that they're doing four leagues, just like ours, League A is the best, League D is the worst. We're going to look at one from one of the groups in League B. By the way, in UEFA, they have divided all of the groups into groups of four, and they're all playing double round robins, home and away, and they're just a couple of matches in to the event. Countries we're going to look at, number three currently in their group, Montenegro, playing host to second best, number B, Bosnia and Herzegovina. As far as the table, here's how things break down. Finland right now are in the lead with four points and a plus two goal differential. Uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, they also have four. They have one less on goal differential. And then Montenegro have three. I don't even remember right off the top of my head who the fourth team was, Romania, Bulgaria, somebody like that. They weren't doing well regardless. It's really looking like a three-team race. And the best race here early on in all of Europe for the Nations League. Now, unlike in our Nations League where things are really cut and dry as far as which teams are going to get to go to the Gold Cup in our region, this event is also a qualifier for uh, the Euros, the European Championships going on next year. But basically, a lot of the best teams are going to qualify through other avenues. So a couple of teams from this event, basically the best ones overall that don't qualify through any other avenue will move up there to one of the qualifying rounds out of this event. All right, back to this matchup. 
Montenegro. They are known as the Brave Falcons. Love it. Uh, they joined FIFA and UEFA both in 2007, so very young internationally. They are ranked number 33 in Europe, so a little bit below average. Number 70 overall by FIFA in the world. They've never been to the World Cup. They've ever even qualified for the European uh, for the European Championships, in fact. Uh, the 2020-2021 Nations League, uh, they played in League C, and they went 4-1-1 one, and, one, and got promoted up to League B. So good on them for not only moving up, but still also that they're doing so well early on this particular year. Uh, here in this group this year, they beat Romania. I did sort of remember uh, 2-0, and then they lost to Finland 2-0. This match is going to be in Podgorica City Stadium. has a seating capacity of about 11,000. The one key player I want you to look for if you're going to catch this on some streaming service is their, cent- is their center forward, Stefan uh, Mugosa. He plays uh, for South Korea's uh, Incheon United. He's So far on their season, he's got 11 goals and just 15 appearances. Absolutely been on fire, and that league is a very good one over in Asia. To give some perspective for what it looks like where he's been in Europe, he's been in Germany a whole bunch. Basically looks to me like all the teams that he's been with have been in the second and third Bundesligas or tiers in the German pyramid. Team's current form, they went one and one in friendlies earlier this year. And now Bosnia and Herzegovina, you can refer to them as the Dragons or the Golden Lilies and be correct either way. This is a little bit above average team in Europe. They're ranked number 20, number 59 worldwide by FIFA. At one point less than a decade ago, they were actually rated number 13 by FIFA. So they're a halcyon day, so to speak. They're not that far removed from them. This is a country with some talent. Uh, 2014 World Cup group stage, they managed to get there, and they finished in third place. Uh, That's their only appearance there. Oddly enough, despite having played in the World Cup, I don't believe they've ever qualified for the European Championships. Uh, 2020-21 Nations League last year's, they finished last in their League A group and got demoted. So it is expected that they will do very well here now that they are in League B. Uh, Their current form, uh, they are one in one in their other friendlies this year. By the way, a little side note, I've been trying to look this up for some of these teams and I did find it uh, for Bosnia and Herzegovina. They have played the United States three times. They've lost twice and they did earn a draw somewhere uh, back in history. Uh, in this year's group stage, they beat, uh, or no, they didn't beat, but they drew with Finland 1-1 at Finland, and then they got to play Romania at home and beat them 1-0. Best player they probably have going for them right now is Anno Amedhozic. He is a center back, 23 years old. He's basically been bouncing back and forth, and I don't know why I don't feel like I see this with more players. He was something of a sub, I believe, for Bordeaux, but getting a fair amount of uh, playing time for that French top flight team, although they just, I want to say they just got demoted. And then uh, Malmo technically have the rights from a very good Swedish team. And so the last year and a half, he basically goes back and forth to whichever one is in season. He is a superb passer, fast and physical, pretty tall. He's very good in the air. But uh, the the main player that most people will be watching for is their 36-year-old captain, uh, Eden Dejeko, striker, 36 years old. Uh, plays for Inter Milan right now. He had 13 goals last season. Spent the heart of his career uh, pretty evenly in terms of number of, of total appearances with Wolfsburg and with Man City. I'm sure fans will remember him there. He was not a starter, uh, but very, uh, very much something of a super sub 
uh, the 12th man, if you will. He is fast for his height. He's very tall, and he is two-footed, a real wonder to watch on the field. Match number five. You can now flip your tracking calendar page to Sunday. Number five, we bring it on back home for a really good-looking match from the NWSL, where the top six teams in the league will make the playoffs at the end of the year, and the top two will go straight through to the semifinals. We have icky, awful Swamp City that we will never root for. Number B, Houston Dash Boo, playing host to Portland Thorns. Here's how the table looks. And by the way, whenever I say that, that's as of a few days ago when I was scouting everything. So obviously things may have changed a little bit. Nevertheless, when we last looked, San Diego, we were in the lead with 14 points. Houston, your host today, have a dozen, as do Chicago. And then Portland has 10. Uh, you can catch this match, by the way, on Paramount Plus, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Houston, uh, they play at PNC Stadium, and they can usually expect to get about 6,000 fans, it looks like, on average. They won the Challenge Cup, the preseason tournament, or actually it was pretty much the whole thing then in 2020, first time they held it because of the pandemic. 2015 was their best regular season finish. Uh, they finished number five. Uh, team was founded in 2014, so it hasn't been around all that long. But, you know, they've only finished in the top half of the league even just the one time. Last year, they finished in seventh place. This year, they are trying to buck history and look good on both sides of the field doing it. They've got tied for the second-best offense going, but the defense is where they have really shown. They've only given up three goals in seven matches for uh, league-best defensive statistically and number one overall goal differential. Key players to look for, tied for second best in league scoring, Rachel Daly from England, and uh, tied with her is Nichelle Prince from Canada. Prince is also one of the league leaders, uh, top 10 in assists. I've mentioned those two, I believe, last week, but I did not make mention, I don't believe, of their goalkeeper, and I really should have. She's tied for best in the league in clean sheets. Jane Campbell played her college ball at Stanford, and then she got drafted, signed with Houston, only club she's ever known. Uh, she's got seven national team appearances. I believe they might be related to the Olympics in some fashion, but take that with a little grain of salt. Team's current form, they are 1-2-0 in their last three and unbeaten in their last six. Looking to put the kibosh on all that goodness, Portland. They were founded in 2010 and have won the league title twice. Most recent one was in 2017. Last year, regular season, they won the uh, Supporters' Shield, had the best record, and they made the playoff semifinals. They also won that shield in 2016, and they won the Challenge Cup when it became a bit more of a true just preseason tournament last year. They are just as well-balanced as their opponents today. So good. Tied for second best on offense. Uh, tied for number six on defense. Now, they only give up one goal per match, so uh, ordinarily their ranking in that regard isn't that great. This is a very good team defensively. They've got the third best overall goal differential. Tied for number three in league scoring is Christine Sinclair from Canada. And then also Sophia Smith. She's probably their best player overall, I believe. Plays center forward, 21 years old, just behind Christine Sinclair, who is a true striker. Uh, Smith has four goals and an assist already. And she gets a lot of shot opportunities despite playing physically sort of on a line behind Sinclair. It is really impressive uh, to watch when they are pushing forward because they push way forward. seems like they get half the darn team in the box. She's got 15 national team caps, does uh, Sophia Smith, by the way. 
Team's current form, 1-2-0 and oh in their last three. They're starting to give up some goals on the road. So they're probably, if they're going to have a chance of getting a result in this one, I would say they've got to score at least a pair. Maybe someday soon I will have a barking dog sounder added in to chase those kitty sound effects away. But until then, hey, it just means it's time for us to take a break and do a recap of the matches from last week's episode. Let's dig into it. Friday's match number one last week was from the NWSL. Number four, Houston played host to number six, Orlando. And Houston absolutely laid the wood with a 5 0 one Michelle Prince had a hat trick. Rachel Daly had a goal. That moved Houston all the way up to second place and dropped Orlando all the way down to ninth. Our match number B from CONCACAF Nations League. We looked at St. Martin, and they were playing, uh, that's from the Dutch half of that island, From uh, and they were playing host to U.S. Virgin Islands. The result was a 1-1 draw. Match number three from the 2023 AFCON qualification tournament. We had Burkina Faso playing host to Cape Verde, and it was your host winning 2-0. Saturday match number four from Major League Soccer, number 12 in the East Vancouver, took on number three in the West, Real Salt Lake. And even though they were the home team, I'm thinking they were the underdog and therefore pulled an upset. They got a 2-1 win, and that bumped them up to 10th place. Match number five from Tahiti's League One. Number B in the table, Dragon, played host to number one, Venus, and they played to a 1-1 draw. No change in table positions. Match six, Nations League in Europe. We looked at number 141, Lithuania, and number 39, Luxembourg. And it was the road team, Luxembourg, getting a nil-two win. Sunday match number seven, World Cup qualifying from UEFA, the final. Wales took on darlings of the world right now, Ukraine, and it was Wales that came out on top. One nil, congratulations to them on their World Cup berth. Match number eight from Brazil's Serie A. I had a dandy of a matchup at the top two facing off. Palmyra's on top of the table, and they were playing at Atletico MG. The result, they played to a nil-nil draw, and Corinthians were tied with them and must have gotten a win because now these two have dropped to number two and three, respectively. Match number nine was on Tuesday from the AFC World Cup uh, qualifying, fourth qualifying round. There we go. And we had UA, UAE taking on Australia for a berth in the internet intercontinental playoff. And it was Australia coming out on top one to two. They got the winning goal in the uh, 84th minute. Very dramatic. Wednesday, match number 10 from the AFC Asian Cup. That is their Confederation Championships. The fourth qualifying round. The real event starts next year. We looked at Kuwait and Indonesia, and it was the road team getting a win. One to two. Uh, for the home side, Yosef Nasser that we said to look out for did have the goal. And then your bonus matches with explanations coming later. Route of the week was a Saturday match from Macau's Liga de Elite, and there is only one team that is elite in one of Asia's uh, weakest leagues, to be honest. But hey, we go everywhere. Number one, CPK. They, ugh, they just embarrassed la- uh, number nine last place, Casa de Portugal, 9 nothing. The only silver lining in that cloud is when they played earlier this year at Casa de Portugal. CPK beat them then, nil 13. So they took it comparatively easy on them that time, if you can believe it. Wow. Uh, the most meaningless match in the world was a, was a Sunday match from the French territory of Reunion. Their region all won, where number six, Saint Marianne, took on Saint Suzanne, number six. Seven, St. Marianne 
got a 2-0 win. No change in the table. They remain just as meaningless as before. And then finally, your match of disappointed, the Saturday match from the USL Championship, specifically the Western Conference. Number 13, Monterey Bay, had taken on what had been number 12, but had, uh, right before we reported, moved up to number 10, Oakland Roots. And now, Oakland Roots still climbing. They got a 0-2 win on the road. Otter Magnus Carlson had an assist, one of the coolest names in the league, if not all of football. And Oakland have now moved up all the way to number eight. They're approaching a most meaningless match in the world territory. So not so disappointing after all. Are you Oakland Roots? Congratulations on another win. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back in to the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Before we get out of the weekend, what do you say we have ourselves a trophy match? But we're going to have to head to yet another confederation to get it. Say hello to the Pro League of Madagascar, where they're having their playoff final. The winner will get to go to next year's African Champions League. This despite the fact that the league association is actually unranked in Africa. Now, that's not unusual there, about the bottom third of the uh, country's leagues are not ranked. I'm not 100% sure why they do it that way. I suspect that those teams just don't get enough international competition to make ranking them worth the while. But in any case, somebody's going to the Champions League, and that makes it worth our while. The match is number four from the northern group of the two groups, Ajasaya, and they are taking place to the second-place regular season finisher from the south, CFFA. In fact, the top four from each of these groups made the playoffs. I am not sure if Ajasaya is hosting or not. Uh, it's hard to find sometimes information on some of these, say, unranked leagues. So it's hard for me. Back off. Okay, I don't know what that was. Anyway, Ajasaya, I'm not even sure I should be saying it, uh, saying it phonetically like that because technically it is an acronym. Uh, in the French, and I'll give this a go, it is Association des Jeunes Sportifs de l'Avenir Inter-Arrondissements, which uh, translated to much easier for me English, Association of Young Athletes of the Inter-District Future. All right, I'm basically willing to call this the Malagasy uh, Juventus, if you will. Uh, the club was founded in 1998. They, like so many of the clubs there, play out of the capital city of uh, Antananarivo. Hope I'm getting that right. Uh, in their regular season, they finished 18 points in just 14 matches behind the runaway winners, Fosa Juniors. So this is a team that got the last berth into the playoffs, and yet here they are in the title game. Fosa Juniors lost in the first round of the playoffs, a real stunner, quite frankly. Interesting side note about this team uh, is because French is the national language there, and they've had you know, a relationship with the country before. They are actually tied to a reunion club, which is a uh, reunion is a little bit further east than Madagascar out in the Indian ocean. There's a club there named St. Paul Wah that is pretty good. Uh, this team is a feeder team for that one. And then St. Paul Wah in return actually has a relationship to Lyon in France's league one. So a nice little uh, pipeline there. They finished, by the way, just one point ahead of number five USCA foot. So they barely got into the playoffs. Uh, they've won the league title twice in the past, though it's been more than a decade that, since they've done so. 2009, uh, in their appearances, uh, they've uh, internationally, whether it's been Champions League 
or the uh, Confederations Cup, which is their secondary international tournament. They've never gotten past the preliminary round or the first round, respectively. Last year, they finished in second place in the South Group regular season. This time, they played in the North. And then they finished third in the championship round of four. This year in the regular season, this team had the second best offense going, scoring over one and a half goals per match, a little bit better than average defense for their group. And they only had two draws, and that's really how they made it. This team lost a lot of matches, but when they got points, they got all three. And now looking to challenge them, CFFA. Uh, it stands for Center de Formation Football Analamanga. And Analamanga is the name of the central region that basically surrounds the capital. Uh, last year, I can tell you that they were not in the, in the uh, Malagasy Pro League. Based on what very little I've been able to find in my usual places, it looks like they were a provincial team last year. And But I'm just going on based on the round in which they entered the FA Cup for that. Uh, they lost the regular season title in their group to El Gecko or El Jeco Plus by just one on goal differential. They were tied on points. So they nearly got that particular trophy. Uh, the team finished with the third best offense. And the number one defense, they were the only team in their group that was giving up less than one goal per match. So they're probably, particularly if this is a true road game for them or at a neutral side, I think that they're going to try to control the pace and keep the score down. Match number seven. You don't get the weekend off, but we'll try to take it easy on you here right at first. For Monday, we're going to stay right there in Africa. The AFCON, the African Confederation Championships for the national teams, that will be next year. So right now going on is a qualification tournament. There are 12 groups of four. They're each going to play home and away double round robins. The top two from each group will make the AFCON next year. Everybody else will go home and chill and Netflix. They always do things very streamlined in Africa. I love it. Best looking paper on matchup this week. Number 108 ranked by FIFA Sierra Leone taking on number 115 Guinea-Bissau. Uh, they are from the bottom of pot two and the top of pot three. So it's easy to say the Sierra Leone should finish in the top two. This is going to be a really, really tight race at the very least for that second spot. Uh, now, Guinea-Bissau, they won their first match here in group stage play versus Sao Tome and Principe 5-1. And then Sierra Leone lost at Nigeria one to two. No real surprises with either of those two. The drama is going to be in the middle of the table. We'll start by talking about Sierra Leone. They are known as the Stars. My guess is that they don't have a stadium that is quite up to holding an event like this because they're actually having the event at General Lansana Conte Stadium in Conakry in Guinea, not Guinea-Bissau, but in the country of Guinea. It's got a capacity of about 50,000. Uh, Sierra Leone's men's national team has never been to the World Cup. They have, however, been to the AFCON three different times. Their only recent appearance, though, was in the last one, 2021, and they went 0-2-1 in the official event. Top player to look for, in my opinion, Jonathan Morse, left winger, 24 years old. He's Swedish-born and plays for Greek club uh, Penet. Penetoikos, I believe it is. I think I've got a typo in there. It's not one of the big three, but it's not one of the worst clubs in Greece by any means. 
He's brand new to the national team pretty much, and he got the goal in the loss at Nigeria, so quite a start for him. This is a very young team. They're going to be looking for experience, and I believe that uh, that's going to come in the midfield. They got a couple of guys with, I believe, over uh, over a couple of dozen national team appearances. Best one might be Kwame Kui, midfielder, 25 years old. He lists in one source I looked at it at playing with one of the really good Israeli clubs, Hapoel Haifa. But the most recent appearance that I've been able to find that he was able to make this year was with Vikinger Reykjavik. Yeah, all the way over in Iceland. Uh, he's got 31 national team appearances under his belt since 2017. And we do have a USA connection. Yeah, to Sierra Leone. I don't know if he's going to play in this match or not or be on the roster, but a recent call-up within the last year for them has been Augustin Williams, forward, 24 years old. And yeah, he made a few appearances last year with LA Galaxy. In fact, he has spent a lot of his career in the States. He's mostly played with the uh, reserve teams for the Galaxy and for the Portland Timbers. He's got just three national team appearances here with Sierra Leone. Right now, he is currently still in the States playing with USL championship side Charleston Battery. This team's current form, they are 2-0-1 for their 2022 friendlies. And now, Guinea-Bissau. They have never been to the World Cup, but they have been to the last three AFCONs proper, but they haven't won any wins. And by the way, those are the only appearances that they've ever made. Best player they've got going is Zinho or Zinho Gano. He is center forward and uh, he plays behind the striker. And he is six foot, six inches tall, tied for the tallest football player professionally that I have ever uh, covered for this particular show. So they must have... uh, He must try to get a lot of headers, I would think. This is going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, He currently plays with a a pretty okay team over in Belgium. Zulte Werajem, I believe it's pronounced. In any case, he is actually Belgian-born, and he has spent his entire league career over there. Uh, Last year for this team, he got 13 goals and one assist in his 33 matches. Very good tackler. Excellent dribbler, not bringing anything in terms of national team experience, though. This will be one of his very first experiences. Uh, very first experiences with that team. They're also inexperienced at goalkeeper. So sure to be tested is Maurice Gomez, 24 years old. He's only got a couple of appearances for them. He plays over in Cyprus right now, but not the most impressive uh, pedigree working so far. He plays for Ayia Napa, which is in their second division. He's Italian-born. He actually came up with a system uh, with Torino's club. And we have another USA connection, Nanu, the singularly named winger and uh, right back. He plays with FC Dallas. He is on loan from Porto, one of the big three over in Portugal this year. And in fact, he is Portuguese born. He's got 18 national team appearances over the last couple, three years. This team's current form, they are one and one in 2022 in their friendlies with a five and three goal differential. This match is going to go a long way towards determining who will probably be the second team out of this group. Match number eight. And in a real rarity, we actually have a second Monday match, but this is when they've chosen to play one of the two FIFA World Cup Inter-Confederation Playoffs. This is a match that's going to take place in Qatar. If you're not familiar, I will explain. Each of the Continental Confederations, uh, they have their various qualification events. They rank their teams, and the top however many number get to go. 
Well, in some of the confederations, the team that just barely missed qualifying will get to play another one that barely missed qualifying interconfederation playoff action. So the teams that just missed out but have one more try win in your in at a neutral match site in Qatar, in Qatar, Australia's national team, the Socceroos, taking on Peru from South America and the Conmebol Association. Now, as big a match as that is, this is the time of podcast where we take a break from the footy and do what we enjoy doing so much, and that is using soccer as an excuse to learn about something culturally oriented from the part of the world where either the match is being played or from when where, where one of the teams is from. Usually, this is where we do food, one of my favorite things, but I found something a little bit more interesting because she wasn't familiar with it, so here to talk about a cultural aspect from the home country on paper, Australia, once again, star of the show, Person Noob. Let's talk didgeridoo. This wind instrument was first created at least 1,500 years ago in Northern Australia by Aboriginal people. There are at least 45 variations and names for this thing, but we'll just stick with didgeridoo. Fun to say. Anyway, they're about four feet long on average, cylinder or cone shaped. The longer it is, the lower the pitch. The first one I ever heard sounded like someone farting. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I know they're used in a lot of formal, culturally important settings, but I'm calling it like I heard it. Once the sound of clapsticks were brought in, giving the song a rhythm, it was less farty. They'd make them out of local hardwoods, like eucalyptus. It's cool how selective they have to be about the tree. They're looking for ones that are not hollowed a certain way and are termite damaged enough to produce particular timber. No pun intended. To play it, just vibrate your lips on the end with the beeswax seal around it. That alone is a little noob. Pros practice something called circular breathing, where they're inhaling through their nose while also compressing their cheeks to sound the instrument. Learning it is supposed to strengthen muscles related to your respiratory system and helping with snoring. Dad, you're getting a didgeridoo for your birthday. Your snoring is like grenade fire. Didgeridoo not hesitate to Google up recordings of some of this neat instrument. I'd not like, I did not write that last part. Epic fail, Dad. Match number nine. On to Tuesday when they are going to play the other inter-confederation playoff match for the World Cup, once again in Qatar. And by the way, you can catch this one on television, 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Fox Sports 2 or Universo if you enjoy the Spanish language podcast. There will be a lot of people tuning in that, I'm sure, from Costa Rica. They finished in fourth place in our qualifying here in the CONCACAF region. They are rated number 31 by FIFA, and they will be taking on number 101-ranked New Zealand. Now, they play out of the Continental Confederation known as Oceania. Uh, I I believe it's because there are so few teams in that and probably has something to do with the fact that New Zealand, even at outside the top 100 in FIFA, is far and away the best one of the handful of the other uh, island countries that are a part of this. They do not get a World Cup berth automatically. They have to play in one of these inter-confederation playoffs. And they are the severe underdog here. Talk about your likely winners, Costa Rica, the Ticos. Five World Cup appearances to their credit, including the last two. Uh, 2014, they also went 
They made the quarterfinals, best they've ever done. They are the only Central American team to have ever won a World Cup match, even, in fact. And yet they've gotten all that way. 2021 Gold Cup, remember that that is our region's confederation championships. They made the quarterfinals. Uh, The best they've ever done here in the modern era of the Gold Cup uh, was they made the finals and lost back in 2002. Uh, back when it was known by a different name, I don't even know what it was, but uh, they won it twice uh, in the 1960s. I don't remember the year. And then I know they won it in 1989. In fact, they haven't missed a Gold Cup since 1996. The, so this is a team that is used to international play and used to pressure. That's the point. Uh, 2019-2020 Nations League, they got to play in the A group, but they finished in fourth place and got demoted. So this is a team that's not exactly been on the climb, to be perfectly honest, of late. But again, they should still be your favorites against New Zealand. Uh, As I mentioned before, they finished number four in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. They were actually tied with the United States on points, but the U.S. had a big lead on goal differential. And they finished four points ahead of Panama to be able to play in this ICPO. Uh, They only had the fifth best offense. In fact, they weren't even managing a goal per match. Uh, The success they had was all on the defensive side. They were tied for second best in that regard, giving up just over one goal on average every other match. This team's experience is in the midfield. Uh, most certainly from their captain, Brian Ruiz. He's their attacking midfielder, and I just can't get over seeing this. It's the second most I've ever seen, I think, from any player. He's got over 150 national team caps, and he's got one of my favorite nicknames that I have ever found. They say it's because of his profile that he looks a little bit uh, like this, at least as he's gotten a little bit older. His uh, club, Alajuelense, there in Costa Rica, has given him the nickname of The Weasel. And no, I won't do a Polly Shore impersonation and date myself if any of you even remember that comedian actor. Anyway, we've also got a United States reference uh, a connection. Francisco Calvo, their center back, he plays for the San Jose Earthquakes. And uh, yeah, he's been all over MLS. In fact, he's played for Minnesota, Chicago, and uh, has over 70 national team appearances to his credit as well. As far as the team's career in Ford, they went 1-0-1 in the Nations League so far. They lost uh, really disappointingly. Even though it was at Panama, they lost 2-0. That's a team that can't defend it. If they weren't going to score against uh, Panama, you got to wonder if New Zealand can keep this, may not have a trouble keeping this low scoring. And if they could just sneak in one goal, maybe we will get a mighty upset. New Zealand, they are known as the All Whites, which is a counter in nickname to the team's rug, the nation's rugby team, the famous All Blacks. They've been to the World Cup twice, most recently in 2010, never advanced past the group stage. Uh, they win the uh, Oceania Football Confederation Nations Cup about every other year, more or less like clockwork, and uh, a little bit more often even now that Australia is no longer in the mix. Uh, they went 2 0 in the qualifying event and 6 0 goal differential uh, in their qualification playoffs. In the group stage, they went 3 0 and had a 12 1 goal differential. So, this is a team that at least their level can seriously both score and defend. They had the number one World Cup qualifying Oceania scorer in their vice captain, Chris Wood, plays forward. He's with Newcastle now. Uh, that immediately proceeds a really long stint that he had with Burnley. Just got demoted. Plus, he's done time with uh, Leeds, Leicester, West Brom. Not sure he's uh, any team's star necessarily, 
but he has certainly been up in the Premier League a long time, and he's been playing with the national team since 2009. And then they are captained by Winston Reed, one of their defenders, nearly 200 appearances with West Ham. A real serious fixture there. Although, yes, SKC fans, that's your guy. He was uh, recently on loan with that MLS side. and He's been playing with the national team on and off since 2010, just 30 national team caps. And then we have two USA connections with this team, a couple of defenders, Michael Boxall, that plays for Minnesota United, and Bill Atui Loma with the Portland Timbers. Their current form within the last week or so, uh, they earned a, uh, in friendlies, they got a nil-nil draw at Oman, and then they lost at Peru, nil-one. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! One more match to round out our regular 10 before we move on to the bonus matches. OFC gave us New Zealand. Let's stay with Oceania, but this time move to the club side of things. The OFC Champions League National Playoffs, specifically. We're going to look at two teams. Uh, last year's number one and number B from Tahiti's League One, P-Ray. And I believe they're playing host, but it might be the neutral site to Venus. Now, that's a little bit unusual because in most of the countries in Oceania, they do a home and away between those two. But I know these two are just playing a single leg, and the winner gets to move on to the eight-team knockout stage. When these two played earlier in this year's league season, it was Venus winning nil-one. We'll talk about P-Ray first. They play that township. It's in the suburbs of, uh, I think it's pronounced, I looked it up for last week and now I've forgotten, uh, Papait or Papit, anyway. It's a commune of about 15,000. And yes, I was right. They are going to be hosting this. It's at their stadium, which has about an 11,000 capacity. Of It's normally just abbreviated to Stad Pater, but the whole name is Stad Pater de Hono Nui. Uh, the team is known as the Ajkule. I tried to find a uh, translation for that, but couldn't. But still, it's just a cool word and fun to say. This team got to play in the FIFA Club World Cup, believe it or not, uh, last year. At least they were scheduled to. Yes, they did get to play. Auckland City had actually been nominated by the FA to be Oceania's representative because the OSC Champions League had been canceled the year before. But Auckland withdrew for COVID-related reasons. So they moved down and took the champion, oddly enough, out of what I believe was the number four league in all of Oceania, Tahiti's League One. As far as P-Ray, they are the 10-time league winners. They are the two-time defending league champs. In 2006, they got to play in this event, and they were runners-up. 2013-14, they made the semifinals. In the current League One standings, they are in third place with four matches to go. So they want to make the most of their appearance this year because right now it's not looking like they're going to get back, although it's still pretty close. They have the third-best offense going scoring over four goals per match. Can you believe that that's not even the second best offense there, let alone the best? They've also got the number one defense going. They've only allowed 11 in 18. And that's only good for the number three goal differential. The top three teams are insanely better, maybe it's the top four, than everybody else from this league. Their current form, they have won six straight. They are unbeaten in their last 10. And in those six wins, check this out, a goal differential, 33-4 to 2 conceded. That virtually unheard of anywhere else in the world. Venus, we talked about them last week. They play out of the commune of Mahina. 
uh, about 15,000 there. It's a little bit east of uh, Puppets, the uh, capital city. Like we mentioned last week, but just a quick overview, the club is named for uh, Captain James Cook's assignment. He was sent there back in the day to go watch the transit of Venus. So he went to the end of a bay in this particular area, uh, which is now called Venus Point, to watch that particular astrological phenomenon. So just kind of a cool way to name a club. Just like their opponents today, they have won the league title 10 times. Last time was 2018-19. In 2018 and 2020, they made the group stage of the Champions League. And they were in fourth place in 2020 when it got canceled. So who knows how that would have turned out. Uh, Back, and I believe it might have had a different name, but in 1999 and 2001, they actually made the semifinal for this event. I think it's safe to say that P-Ray is your ever-so-slight favorite, but I wouldn't want to put money on this one. They've got the second-best offense in the league, four and a half goals per match. Yeah, by the way, the number one offense belongs to Dragon right now, and they score something like Five and a quarter goals per match. Just insane. Uh, This team, Venus, has the second best defense. Uh, They give up less than a goal per match. Second best overall goal differential. Teams form. They just had a seven win streak match win streak snapped uh, with a 1-1 draw. In a way, it's hard to believe it was that low scoring at the aforementioned and current second place Club Dragon. Their goal differential over that win streak, 37 and 7, and they are unbeaten in their last 11. Bring forth the bonus matches! Uh, Yes, perhaps my favorite part of the show, in large part because you, dear listener, have had a chance to have a say in what each of these three quirky bonus matches was going to be. I put up polls on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA is my handle. Uh, usually on Tuesdays, roughly, some, you know, give or take a day, you can vote and the dreamy content happens. Democracy in action or something like that. The first of our bonus matches is one we dramatically call the Route, 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 Route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And you have selected a Sunday match for your first versus last place top flight matchup. It is from the Premier League in Ghana. Ooh, you have chosen a fun one. Uh, Just a little bit above average is this league within the African Confederation. They're ranked number 24. Their winner goes to the Champions League. And then on the other end of the spectrum, three of their 18 teams will get relegated. Only two matches left in the season. Not a lot of drama left here, to be perfectly honest, but we will still talk about it. Number one, Asante Kotoko taking on last place, number 18, Almina or Almina. Let's go with Almina Sharks. Uh, Asante Kotoko currently lead second place Beckham, B-E-C-H-E-M, could be a soft C-H, United, by 10 points. So the league title is already theirs. Congratulations, Asante Kotoko. Meanwhile, uh, El Minas Sharks, they trail number 17, WAFA, by 10 points. And then uh, the team that would actually demarcate the point of safety for them, number 15, 11 Wonders, they trail them by 15. Uh, this team, everybody's been knowing that they're going down for quite some time. And yet one of the things, sort of the point of the route of the week, it's evolved this way, is can we find any sort of hope for why we think 
that the underdog could rise up and win. Now you've got a couple of things going here. Either or both of these teams could be hypothetically playing reserves, of course, because their league fates are already sealed. But we've got something even bigger than that. When Elmina hosted earlier this season, they actually won two to one. Asante Kotoko must have just had them totally overlooked. Uh, we will talk about uh, your newly crowned champions first. They are known, one of the great nicknames in the world, as the Porcupine Warriors. The Porcupine is the emblem of the Ashante Kingdom, which Asante Kotoko uh, is geographically within. And right on their crest is their kingdom motto, Quote, if you kill a thousand, one thousand more will come, end quote. And it is a mean looking porcupine, very aggressive. They play out of the town of Kumasi, uh, which is in the central southwest part of the country. It's uh, largely rainforest. Uh, it's the second largest city in size in the country, about three and a half million people. This is the sixth most popular continental African club. I really thought Al Ailey. Uh, sort of uh, held this position with virtually any organization, but uh, the international soccer body IFFHS ranks this club as the best club from Africa of the 20th century. A lot of their success was very early on though. Uh, This team has won 24 league titles, the most in the nation's history. They're the defending champions, but last year's was the first time that they'd won it in nearly a decade. They hadn't hosted the trophy since 2014. They won what is now called the Champions League uh, two different times, long while back, 1970, and then again in 1983. Uh, In the last decade or so, they've made several appearances, but they haven't been able to get past the first round. Uh, 2004, it's worth noting, uh, they finished, uh, they made it all the way to the finals of the Confederations Cup, the secondary tournament there in Africa. Oh, I said that they were the defending champions. That wasn't quite right. Last year, they finished in second place. This year, they have won the crown via both their offense and defense. This is the best team in the league by a long shot. Uh, Number one offense, even though they weren't even averaging one and a half goals per match. This isn't a really high scoring league. And they had the best defense and best goal differential by almost a full factor of two. Their star, number one league scorer with 21 on the season, Frank Embella Thierry Otuga from Cameroon, just 20 years old. I'm not sure that this has ever finally been completed, but I did read in April that he was very close, uh, and it sounded like it was all but a done deal, to signing a three-year deal with Saint-Étienne in France's League One. The only reason that I say this with a little bit of doubt, other than the fact that I didn't see that it was a done deal, was if there was anything holding it up, it might have been that they were waiting to see if Saint-Étienne, which till just a few years ago was a really strong team in France, uh, was going to get relegated or not. And they did get relegated, finishing in the bottom three. Ouch. Anyway, as far as Asante Kotoko's form, 2-1-0 in their last three with a 4-1 goal differential. They've been getting it done on defense. Elmina Sharks, can they repeat their home miracle this time on the road? It's going to be a tough climb to get to the top of that hill. But they've done it once. Perhaps they can do it again. Now, Elmina, history majors, yes. This was the first European settlement in Western Africa. 
Uh, it's on the uh, Elminos on the very southern coast. Uh, very small town, only about 35,000. Not in real great shape economically, to be perfectly honest. For about the last seven years, uh, there's the government's been putting a lot of money in trying to restart the fishing industry and the tourism industry. This club, uh, moderately young, they were only founded in 1998. Back then, they were known as Coconut Grove Beach Resort. Doesn't sound like a top flight team. Sounds like a bunch of uh, local, you know, local workers playing in a company league or something. Anyway, they started in the second division when they were formed and then slipped to Division Three. They only made it all the way up to Division One following the 2016 season. And just an interesting side note, I believe they have a women's team and that it is called Sea Lion FC to go along with the Sharks. That's a pairing I really like. Last year, they just barely avoided relegation, finishing in 15th place. Uh, this year, you can see why they are getting kicked out. Worst offense and defense. Defense has been especially bad. In a league where nobody can score, they've been giving up over one and a half goals per match. And they've got the worst goal differential by over a factor of two. Uh, the best player they have going is uh, Tahir Mensah, midfielder, 22 years old with three goals. Team's current form, they have lost three straight with a painful-looking two and nine goal differential, and they haven't managed a draw lately. They are uh, win or no, they did get a couple of draws, but they are winless in their last eight. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. And for your matchup of two teams that just aren't going anywhere, the one you have selected for the most meaningless match is a Saturday one from the women's side of things in Finland, where the league is called the, I think I've got this right, Kanselainen Liga. Uh, they are ranked pretty much dead average in Europe at number 26 for their league association, which is up three from a year ago. So they're getting a little bit better. I think they just send one team to the Champions League. And if they're still doing things like they did in 2020, really current information was hard to come from in my usual sources. One team will get kicked out. One team will have to fight for their uh, top flight lives in a relegation playoff match, whoever finishes second to last. That shouldn't befront either of these teams because they're smack dab in the middle, hence so meaningless. They're just over halfway through the season. And at some point, very soon, in fact, I'm sure, uh, the top six are going to, uh, the league's going to divide. Basically, the top six will play in what we would call a championship round, and the bottom four will uh, continue to play one another in a relegation round. The matchup you've selected is number six, HPS, versus number five, PK-35. Uh, right now, PK-35 lead HPS by three in the table. Uh, they trail number one, uh, league power, KUPS, by 14. You can see they're not going to be an international play this year for sure. HPS, they currently lead number nine, ONS, by nine points. And then obviously they lead the last place team by even more. Uh, the recent series between these two has been fairly even. PK have had a slight advantage, uh, building up a 2-2-1 record. HBS, HPS rather, that stands for Helsinki Palosuro, which basically means Helsinki Ball Club. Last year they finished in ninth place. And so good on them for making it up to the match of uh, the most meaningless match in the world. And boy, uh, some of their numbers really back it up. Three, four, and three, perfectly even with an 18 and 18 goal differential of zero. 
They're at number five on offense, tied for six on defense. They are exactly where it belongs, it seems like. A key gal to look for if you can find this online. Tied for number four in league scoring with six is Una Yaskalainen. She's an attacker, just 19 years old. Team's current form, they're 3-1-0 in their last four. Still moving on up and get this, a 9-0 goal differential over that stretch. So they're in fine form. I still don't say, I still say there's no way they're going to be flirting with a Champions League spot when the league only gets one. But, you know, they might get up in towards the conversation soon. Meanwhile, PK35. And by the way, uh, for longer time listeners, yes, just a couple, three weeks ago, we did talk about PK35 Varna, I believe is the name of it. This club move, I want to say move there for a while and then move back out. And then, uh, and then a new club must have formed in uh, Varna that's more or less using the same name. Very strange. In any case, PK35, the original recipe, if you will. They were founded in 1978, and yet they didn't debut in the top flight until 2020. Uh, They play out of the suburb of Malmi, which is in northeast Helsinki. Uh, I couldn't find a whole lot about this area that was real noteworthy. The country's largest cemetery is there. That's great for picnicking if you're into that sort of stuff. Hey, it's the most meaningless match in the world. We take what we can get. By the way, PK stands for Palo Herco-35 Nayset, which still basically means like, you know, ball club, more or less, or women's ball club that doesn't even include anything else about the name. Anyway, last year they finished in sixth place, so they are in very familiar territory. Uh, Their offense is a little below average. Their defense is a little better than average. On the scoring leaderboard with four is Amelia Kupsanen. She plays midfield for them. Team's current form, 2-2-0 with a 7-2 goal differential. So both these teams have been rather on fire of late, but PK is starting to slide off just a little bit. Their last two matches were draws. And now we will so sternly finish things off with a match of Disappointed! The Herculean scorn from Kevin Sorbo is always so well placed here. You have voted for a Saturday match. God, why do you participate in this particular poll? But thank you for doing so. Which teams did you select that are the very bottom of their league? It is a Saturday match from NISA, N-I-S-A. one of the third tier leagues in American soccer. This is their first year where they're having one full season. The last three years they were doing a a split seasonal seasons. Can I say that? And if, well, I can, it's our show. And if not, then I'm being disappointing as well. This year they are playing a 26 match season, even though they've only got 10 teams, they've been divided into two groups of five each of the uh, the top three from each of those two groups will make the playoffs for the end of the year. The winners of each of the two groups, East and West, will advance straight to the semifinals. The matchup, number four in the West, LA Force, was slated to take on number five in last place, Valley United. And uh, I don't know if this is because of the immigration issues and various things that Valley United was having, and they were forced to actually uh, forfeit on paper, their first six matches, or if it's something else going on, COVID, who knows? But this match, in what is truthfully the most disappointing way that you can have our show end, was postponed. Thanks a whole lot, you silly egg suckers. You're not even going to play. Wonderful. 
And if you would, the management, please feel free to shoo them off in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo! That's right. You don't cross Waldorf when Statler. You at least need to play the darn game, although they'll usually give you the same treatment, particularly on this show. In any case, believe it or not, yeah, that's how we wrap things up here. Thank you so much. This has been Episode 87 of Soccer New Brocking America featuring Person Noob. Special thanks to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, my former website interno Inferno for all of his creative efforts and inspiration. Two, of course, my daughter, co-host, and real star of the show, honestly. No joke there, not just uh, kissing up to her. Person noob. Thank you so much. I love that you're willing to participate in this and try all sorts of particular things. Even though I know that you are a burgeoning soccer fan at best, we're learning about the world together, and that's a lot of fun. And most importantly, thank you for checking us out. We know that you have a lot of choices out there. Uh, we endeavor to create something really unique every single week, covering soccer in a little, you know, in some unusual places and in some unusual ways that perhaps other soccer podcasts don't. Please feel free to pass this along to your footy-minded friends. We'd really appreciate that. Until we do it again in a few days, please have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.